this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 79. I'm so happy that you joined me today. Thank you very much. In today's episode, I have a lot of information to share, but I would first like to announce the winner of last episode's drawing giveaway. Everyone who left a comment under the show notes for episode 78 was entered to win a copy of the book, The Art of Seamless Knitting. I randomly chose between the commenters using the online random number generator, and I'm happy to announce that this episode's winner is Moby Knit or Vernal Equinox on Ravelry. Congratulations! I'll be in touch with you shortly to get your mailing information and to get that prize mailed on out to you. And to everyone else who entered, thank you so much for participating. There will be another drawing for you to enter that I'll be announcing later on in the episode. So don't give up hope. Your name may be called next. You never know. So the day that I'm recording this episode is Tuesday, February 25th. And I have to tell you, this is an incredibly busy time of year for us. I just got back from the Stitches West convention just a few nights ago, and we're working really hard to release the new book, Botanical Knits 2, in less than a week. Yikes. It's a busy time for sure. So since pre-orders for the book are so close, I thought that this episode would be a great one to share the details behind all of the designs in the new book. So obviously, as I'm sure you've already figured out, Botanical Knits 2 is the sequel to my book Botanical Knits that was published last year. And just like the first book, this one contains 12 patterns inspired by leaves and foliage. Again, you will find four sweater patterns and eight accessories. So first to tell you a little bit about the sweaters. Most of you have already either seen or heard about Sprig, which I released a few months ago as a limited edition individual PDF. Now this is an unusual but very striking pullover with a very different kind of construction. I talked all about it on a previous episode, which I'll be sure to link to in the show notes if you'd like to hear even more. So, in a nutshell, it's an asymmetrical sweater knit from the top down, and then later stitches are picked up at the top to create an asymmetrical neckline with a little sprig of foliage worked into the stitches that extends gracefully around the neckline and drapes over one shoulder. I think it's really pretty, and it looks like many of you agree. In the short time that this pattern has been out, it has gained over 4,500 favorites on Ravelry and has been added to nearly 1,400 cues. So I think that's pretty good. Another sweater pattern in the book that seems to be popular among knitters is called Bare Branches. And this is actually more of a sweater coat. It's knit in an Aran weight wool and it's a longer cardigan that hits mid-thigh with a three-button closure at the top. And my favorite detail 
is the romantic oversized hood. The skirt of the coat is worked in stockinette stitch, while the fitted bodice is in reverse stockinette stitch. The special thing about this pattern is that it has a secret design motif. There's a beautiful tree on the back that is only visible when the hood is worn. When the hood is down, you really can't see it. I also love how the front of the sweater looks when the hood is down. It creates a really pretty wide shawl collar that looks really nice. It's a very romantic and wearable sweater. I think it may be my personal favorite out of the collection. The next sweater in the book is also a cardigan and it has a bold textured embossed stitch motif of a flourishing vine climbing up the left sweater front. This design is appropriately named Flourish and is knit from the ultra-luxurious Juniper Moon Farms Moonshine Yarn. It is heaven on the needles, and it shows the stitch detail beautifully. The rest of the cardigan is left plain so as to not detract from the beautiful vine on the front, and even the waist shaping is hidden in the side panels so that it doesn't conflict at all with the stitch pattern. The final sweater in the book is a cardigan that contains another unique design element. Now with this pattern, I wanted to experiment with lace insets. We've all seen lace insets added to ready-to-wear sweaters and tops that we can buy in the store, and I wanted to see if the same idea could translate to knitwear, and I'm happy to say that it can. This cardigan is called Sunlit Autumn, and it features a round lace inset motif on the back of the sweater of an autumn leaf, as well as coordinating motifs on the front pockets. It's a v-neck cardigan with A-line shaping worked into the back, and like the other cardigans in the book, it has set-in sleeves for a more structured fit. As far as the accessories go, Botanical Knits 2 includes two shawl patterns. One I've talked about already on the podcast at length, or should I say complained about on the podcast at length because it was such a pain to design. That is my forest foliage shawl. And although it was awful to write the pattern, the shawl itself turned out beautifully. It seemed to be a favorite at the Stitches West convention. I had it on display and I can't tell you how many people commented on it, which made me feel really good. It made me feel like it was worth all of that terrible, hard, tedious work. The shawl is called forest foliage because it looks like solid leaves floating amidst a large portion of open-work lace stitches. It reminds me of the way a tree looks if you're laying underneath it and looking up. You know how the sunlight streams in between the leaves on a tree on a sunny day? That was the effect I was hoping to create in this shawl, and it really turned out beautifully. The shawl also has a pretty pico loop border that adds to the drama and gives it a feminine touch. It calls for a size 7 needle with a fingering weight yarn, so it knits up relatively fast for a lace shawl, in my opinion. The second shawl in the book is called Hanging Leaves, and it features just that little leaves literally hanging off the shawl as the border. 
The inspiration for this design is the way dried leaves cling to branches at the end of fall. I wanted the border of this shawl to be barely hanging onto the body, just like these leaves. After several failed attempts, I finally figured out a border that I was happy with, and the resulting shawl is very whimsical and, and unusual. I really, really like it. The funny thing is, is that I actually had the idea for this design way back when I was just starting the first Botanical Knits book. It was actually the first design that I attempted, but I couldn't get it right. I tried and tried and failed and failed. So it's been kind of in my mind for over a year now. It, it's been a long time coming. I'm glad I was finally able to figure it out. Next up are the two fingerless mitt patterns in the collection. Both feature a stitch motif on the back of the hand. The verger pattern is a longer mitt out of a DK weight yarn that has a sprouting plant growing out of the ribbing. And the twigs and willows mitts are a cropped lightweight mitt out of fingering weight yarn. Now these mitts have a leafy branch extending over the back of the hand, mimicking the branch on the Twigs and Willows cardigan from the first collection. Over the past year, I have heard many knitters express that they were interested in knitting up that branch stitch motif, but for one reason or another, didn't want to commit to an entire sweater. Well, now you can knit that branch and make these quick little mitts for yourself or for a gift. No sweater necessary. Also in the book, I have a scarf design called Life Cycle. This is a lightweight, long strand of decorative leaves, one growing right out of the next. What makes this design really special in my opinion is the yarn. Now you may recall me gushing about those beautiful gradient colorways of the yarn called Spin Cycle Yarns dyed in the wool. I've talked about it before on the podcast and blog. Now the ladies of Spin Cycle Yarns actually created a special colorway for me just for this collection. And it was inspired by a photograph I found online of beautiful leaves ranging from green to brown. So this colorway that they created is called End of Summer and it just perfectly represents those changing colors of leaves during their spring to autumn life cycle. The colors slowly shift from green to brown, just like the leaves in the picture, with orange, golds, and reds in between. When you wrap the scarf around your neck several times, you can see all of the colors mixed together, and it's just so pretty. It would add such a nice pop of color to an outfit. Last but not least, this collection includes three hat patterns. First, there's the ivy trellis hat with gorgeous textured cables and leaves like the ivy trellis mittens and socks from Botanical Knits. There's also the thicket beret, which is an easy lace beret made up of overlapping leaves. And also the ferns hat with subtle traveling stitch cables that resemble fern fronds growing in two different directions. Altogether, I am so happy with how everything turned out and how the patterns complement each other and come together in a cohesive collection. 
I will link to the photos of these designs on my blog and on Ravelry so that you can take a look and check out the patterns for yourself. Botanical Knits 2 will be available to pre-order beginning March 3rd at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on our website botanicalknits.com. At that time, the ebook will be available to purchase for $18, or you can pre-order the book in print for $22 plus shipping. Everyone who pre-orders the book in print will receive a complimentary copy of the ebook to download right away, along with two little surprises that will be shipped along with the book at a later date. I'm planning out a little botanically inspired gauge measuring bookmark, as well as a new complimentary never knot knitting pattern. I won't be giving away an existing pattern of mine, but will develop a new design to give away to those who pre-order Botanical Knits too. Please keep in mind that this offer is only available during pre-orders. Once pre-orders are over, sometime in June, only the printed book or ebook will be available to purchase separately. They will not be combined. We expect to ship the books sometime mid-June, and just to let you know, we do ship all over the world. That does seem to be a common question asked. We don't just ship to the US, you can order from anywhere. So be sure to mark March 3rd on your calendar or join my mailing list to receive an email as soon as the book is ready to order. I'll provide a link to my mailing list sign up in this episode's show notes. I can't tell you how relieved and excited I am to finally have this book done. I really hope you guys enjoy it. Just like with Botanical Knits, I poured my heart and soul into this publication, and I'm so pleased with how it turned out. If you liked Botanical Knits, I think you will really enjoy the sequel as well. Well, that certainly was a lot of information, now wasn't it? And I still have so much more to share. I haven't even touched on my time at Stitches West or my personal knitting projects. But due to time, I think I'll save those topics until the next episode. Instead, I have a cool book and yarn to talk about. Probably all of you well know how much I love to knit toys for my kids. It's not a pastime I'm able to indulge in as much as I used to, but that doesn't stop me from being really excited by new toy patterns that come out. Recently, I was sent the adorable new book, Knit Your Own Zoo by Sally Muir and Joanna Osborne. Apparently, they've already authored the books Knit Your Own Dog and Knit Your Own Cat, which I haven't seen but would really like to check out. But this new book in front of me contains 24 patterns to knit your own zoo animals. And what can I say? It's totally precious. There are patterns for an anteater, armadillo, koala, chimpanzee, elephant, crocodile, camel, meerkat, penguin, lion, just to name a few. It's not your everyday stuffed animals. A lot of really interesting ones in there. My personal favorites are the giraffe and the kangaroo. 
Now, I've always enjoyed toys that weren't simply stuffed animals, but actually did something. And that's why I love this little kangaroo pattern, because it's a mama kangaroo that has a pouch that a little mini knitted baby kangaroo can fit inside. I just love mom and baby combinations in toys. It's so cute. The other thing I like about this book is that it's educational. There is information about each animal before every pattern. So what a great thing to be able to knit an animal for your child and then read about it together. Wouldn't that be so neat? So if you like to knit toys like me, or you have little ones in your life, I really suggest that you check out this book. I think that you'll love it. This copy of the book, Knit Your Own Zoo, which was provided by the publisher, Black Dog and Leventhal, will be included in this episode's drawing giveaway. But that is not all. Also recently, I was sent an amazing skein of yarn from a New Zealand yarn company called Skeins. Skeins is a family-run company out of Napier, New Zealand, who spins yarn from fleece from New Zealand farmed animals. The yarn I have in front of me is a beautiful, gigantic, squishy hank of DK weight yarn called Southlander. Southlander is made from 100% natural, undyed New Zealand wool. It's minimally processed and gently spun, creating a homespun feel. The website describes it as the closest to classic New Zealand homespun that you can get. I just love yarn with a story behind it, and the rustic look of it would pair very well, in my opinion, with many of the adorable animals featured in this book. So that's why I'd like to include it in this episode's drawing giveaway. So, if you would like to enter to win the book Knit Your Own Zoo, along with this big, beautiful hank of New Zealand yarn, please leave a comment under the show notes of episode 79 on my blog. Only one comment per person, please. And don't forget to leave your contact information for me so that I can get in touch with you if you win. You will have until March 15th to enter, and I will be announcing the winner on the following episode. In today's episode, I have another knitting story to share with you, this time from Rebecca Dwyer, and this is a continuation of the story she shared on episode 64, entitled The Optimistic Knitter. If you have wondered whatever became of Rebecca and her knitting, wonder no more. Here is her second story entitled, Is This the End of the Optimistic Knitter? I told you about the cardigan I made for my mother-in-law that, despite lots of reasons to go completely wrong, actually went pretty well. My confidence was buoyed. Knitting disasters were a thing of the past, right? And I was free from the bind of knitting a large cardigan to knit something for my little girl. All is well. The knitting year ticks round. Dark and stormy began to loom on my horizon. It's a great pattern by Thea Coleman. 
for a cardigan knit top-down with some really pretty cable details. Just the thing. And I had just the yarn. Manos del Uruguay silk blend in the colourway Leo. There was a bit of history to this yarn. I ordered it as a special treat for some holiday knitting, but it didn't arrive in time. Then I changed my mind on the project I'd planned for it, and it lay dormant for a few months. But this was the perfect project for it. Excellent. I'm all set. It went beautifully. This is going to be the best thing you've ever knit, my husband commented encouragingly. High praise indeed. Being top-down, a construction I hadn't tried before, I could try it as I went. I'd been careful with the sizing and adapted the pattern a little to try to get that perfect fit. This was going to be fantastic. But thunderclouds were gathering and were about to break over dark and stormy. I don't know whether it's a good thing that I didn't try the carding on before I blocked it. Maybe what was coming would have seemed worse if I'd seen exactly how perfectly it fit, how soft and comfortable and cosy the cardigan was going to be. As it was, I sent it straight to the sink for a nice soak. As soon as I got it out, my inner voice was whispering, uh-oh. But being an optimistic knitter, I tried hard to ignore it. I started spreading it out to dry. Hmm, it's looking a bit of a funny shape and seemed kind of heavy. No, no, it'll be fine. It wasn't fine. At all. In any way. The back was longer than when I started, but not that much. The front reached down to my knees. It had become a monster, and everything that can be worst about hand knits. It was an enormous, ill-fitting, misshapen behemoth. Nope. I had to admit it. This was a disaster. There was no saving it. I mean, I could try cutting and steaking, but I'm just not skilled enough to pull it off. It would always look like it was the wrong shape. Except, maybe if I put it in the washing machine, I could shrink it down just the right amount. Maybe. I knew it was unlikely. Turns out, I had just made something the right size for my little girl. It shrunk right down to the size of an 18-month-old. Of course, she hates it, obviously. It has about 800 yards of yarn in it, and is about as drapey as a piece of cardboard. Yet, there it sits, in her wardrobe, pretending maybe one day she might put it on. I don't mean to imply by the title of this piece that I'm giving up knitting. Not a chance. This was devastating, but I'm a better knitter because of it. So what did I learn? Firstly, I am always going to swatch. Well, usually. Turns out it's not a waste of time. All those experienced knitters who recommend it know some useful stuff. And I reckon quite a few of them have probably gone through this kind of experience too. Swatching is how you get to know your yarn, so you know what it will do. If I'd have thought this yarn was not washable, I wouldn't be making a cardigan with it, because cardigans need to be washed fairly often, especially when you have small children, but also if you're a human, which I am. Secondly, I should have listened to that really tiny voice that was saying, this will grow in the wash. Somewhere inside, I thought this could happen, but the optimistic knitter inside me said it would be fine. Thirdly, I think I should have slept on it a bit longer. I'm thinking I dived into shoving it into the washing machine, because the ordeal would be over sooner. If I hadn't done that, I could have salvaged the yarn. Maybe even one day I would have come back to it and made something else with it. That's 50 pounds of yarn all squished into a tiny jacket that I'm pretty sure my daughter will never wear. Okay, so right now I never want to see that yarn again. I could have gifted it. Fourth, I've wondered whether I'm actually just a terrible knitter who should try a new hobby. I have had a few disasters, but not that many, and I've had some good successes, so I'm sticking to it, in the belief that you shouldn't let one time of getting knocked down put you out of action forever. Fifth, 
I'm not a process knitter, just because I've been able to find a few things I've learnt, and there are probably more. I'm not totally sure it was worth it. I want a beautiful cardigan. 6. Take up spinning. Yep, that's what I've done. It's actually not that hard. It's really fun and really relaxing and really satisfying. And you get to know your yarn really well. No surprises there. I think I might always be an optimist at heart. An optimistic spinner and a slightly circumspect knitter who loves to swatch. Always. Thank you, Rebecca, so much for continuing your story here on the podcast. I'll be providing a link to Rebecca's knitting blog on this episode's show notes. If you'd like to stop by, check out her work, and maybe even leave a few friendly words of encouragement for her. Also, if you listening have a story that you would like to share on the podcast sometime, please get in touch. I'd love to hear it. As a reminder, the show notes for this episode can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Well, everyone, that's about it for episode 79. Thank you again so much for joining me today, and I hope that you'll tune in again next month for episode 80, the final episode of this podcast season. And don't forget to visit our website, botanicalknits.com, on March 3rd to get more information or to order our new book, Botanical Knits 2. Thanks, everyone. Until next time. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a-clicking from morning until she goes to bed She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting She just doesn't really care She's never not knitting it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Stop rubbing again. She just won't stop the stitching. And the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now she doesn't knit. Nobody has clean laundry. No pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters. More socks than they could ever wear. There's yarn in the fridge, in the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry. It's even in the washer and dryer. That's why she can't do any laundry. I need some clothes. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm filing for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching, and the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. <laughs>
house is burning up in flames. Oh, 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, Just let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting. And it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching. And, well, she's losing all she had.